We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is pharmacists, family caregivers, and medication. Family caregivers get involved with family members' medications in various ways, like when the family members are young, unable to do everything for themselves, or who, who are elderly when the family member's health conditions cause problems with memory or mobility, when there are concerns about what seem to be side effects of medication, and when the meds cabinet seems to be overflowing and no one can remember what all the meds are for. Now, to talk about these things and more, we have two guests, Bill Brown and Ahmed El-Zoibi, both pharmacists. First, Bill Brown is a seasoned business executive entrepreneur in healthcare. His career includes associate owner of a large format shopper's drug mart, part of the third largest retail pharmacy train in North America. Prior to that, he provided international business development consulting services to Express Script Inc., the third U.S. pharmacy benefits management company. Prior to that, he was president and CEO of Etna Health Management Canada, Inc., a company created by Etna Life Insurance to introduce managed care principles to large Canadian corporations. And prior to that, he was president and CEO of Etna Health Management Canada um, and also president and CEO of Columbia Healthcare, Inc., a company he founded and expanded into the largest private rehabilitation company in Canada. And on top of all that, he's a graduate of the University of Toronto with a BSc in pharmacy. Now, Ahmed El-Zoibi obtained his bachelor's degree in pharmacy in 1994 from Cairo University, Egypt. He then worked in the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at the Faculty of Pharmacy in Cairo. In 1997, he won a scholarship from the Canadian International Development Agency to complete a master's degree in microbiology at a university in Quebec, Canada. After obtaining his PhD in December 2002, 
he moved to Toronto to work as a postdoctoral scientist at the University of Toronto. He then moved back to Cairo University to work in the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at the Faculty of Pharmacy. And then in 2008, he moved back to Canada, where he practices as a licensed pharmacist in Ontario. So welcome to the show, Bill and Ahmed. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, now first question to you, Bill. Let's hear a bit more about your career and work as a pharmacist. You've been in business pretty well, but you're still a pharmacist. Tell us more about how you put those things together. Well, I don't think you would call me a typical pharmacist in the sense that I graduated many years ago, and if you could see me, you would see that I would be described as a mature individual. And so I uh, I left uh, pharmacy shortly after graduating and uh, did other things, mostly in the healthcare field. And really, I came back to pharmacy uh, post-retirement because I wanted to be more active. And so I have a view of, gar- of uh, a pharmacy that's kind of current and fresh and perhaps not uh, not affected so much by many, many years of uh, of uh, being uh, involved in it politically and so forth. So I'm sort of looking at it, let's say, currently over the last four years in terms of patient interaction. I think it gives me a different perspective. The other thing about it is that mostly what I did when I returned to pharmacy, other than my <clears throat> short sojourn as a as an associate owner, is I did uh, locums, which is, means uh, relief and so forth. This this gave me the opportunity of working in dozens and do- dozens of different types of environments, <clears throat> large format, shoppers, drug marts, uh, yeah, small independents, uh, that type of thing. So I've really crossed, I probably worked in over 100 pharmacies in the last, say, three or four years under in, in, in different settings. So I've seen huge uh, variance in the in the type of patient and the type of uh, environment and so forth. And currently, actually, <clears throat> I'm probably doing something which I find more interesting is working in the uh, with addicts. Uh, people have uh, add- addiction problems, and in uh, in the in the area of methadone treatment. So um, I'm sort of finding myself fortunate, I guess, really, in in being able to uh, talk in a very general way, obviously. Uh, about uh, many different facets of pharmacy, both uh, on, on a sort of a day-to-day level and because of my own special interest about some of the politics and some of the government issues that are affecting the profession today. Okay. <clears throat> because like you, Gordon, I'm a bit of an activist as well. <laughs> okay, that's great. Now, Ahmed, tell us more about your career and particularly your work as a community pharmacist. Yeah, sure. So... Uh... I obtained my bachelor degree in pharmacy, as you said, uh, from Cairo University back in 1994. So I have practiced pharmacy a little bit in Egypt, and I have practiced pharmacy also in Canada. So those are two totally different environments, of course. Uh, I worked in Canada for some time uh, for one of the chain pharmacies. I also worked for a few independent drugstores. And also, similarly to Bill, I worked as a local pharmacist for some time. my view of pharmacy, I, I do believe in the pharmacy profession as an important part of healthcare. So the way uh, a typical uh, patient interaction with the healthcare system goes, uh, the physician prescribes the medications, as you know, the nurse might administer them if the patient is hospitalized, and then the pharmacist is the drug expert. So our expertise as pharmacists lies in the usage of drugs how to maximize benefits and minimize adverse effects of drug therapy, and also the tricky area of 
the drug-drug interactions, drug-disease interactions, drug-food interactions. Uh, the pharmacist's main role is to ensure that the medications are used properly and safely by the patient. We also recommend over-the-counter medications for minor ailments, such as headache, common colds, uh, some mild intestinal problems, and some mild allergies. And this is also very common. You know, uh, patients uh, usually suffer from minor ailments much more than they do suffer from major ailments. Uh, another important role that we play as pharmacists is to make recommendations to prescribers for the adjustment uh, of patients' drug therapies when needed. Right. Now, I'm going to come back to some of those things uh, later, later on in this episode, but I want to ask you, Bill, specifically, what advice, how do you provide advice, and what advice do you provide about medications to patients? To patients directly or their caregivers, Gordon? To, they, to patients themselves. <clears throat> well, you know, it's commonly known, and there are many studies that, uh, that uh, back this up, that, uh, uh, you know, 20 to 30 percent of patients do not take their medications properly, or they do not take them at all. And therefore, the uh, desired outcome, which is um, which, which which is intended, in the, basically by the physician and the patient himself, doesn't happen. And it's amazing how people can get confused. Uh, you would think if you told somebody to take something three times a day, or a week, that would be self-evident. But even those types of things can be confused. People don't know whether to take them before meals or after meals. Sometimes they think they have to wake up in the middle of the night because they have to do it every eight hours. So, so uh, they, they can easily get confused. So it, our, our role really is to make sure that the original intention of the medication uh, happens, that they're taken properly under the proper conditions, if they're not supposed to take it with dairy products, which could nullify the medication, um, that sort of thing. And, uh, and to make sure that they understand that well, for example, with antibiotics, you know, that uh, if, it's supposed, if it's supposed to be taken for a week and after three days they feel better, they think, well, why should I take this drug anymore? And, of course, if they don't take it for the full regimen, then, that, then their infection could come back. So some of the things that we think are sort of common sense or self-evident, uh, you know, can get confusing. So we have to ensure that they understand how the medication works and all of its, you know, various... Um, peculiarities and that they take it properly. Antihypertensives are another example where there's no real... Before we go into the detail of that, though, I just want to switch to Ahmed because um, what you're talking about is, is uh, direct... What Bill's been talking about is, about is direct communications with patients. But what about the situation where you're communicating with patients, not directly, but through the family caregiver? What about that, Ahmed? You're asking me? Yes. Well, like anything else, we all remember those. No, sorry, uh, I'm asking Ahmed. Ahmed, okay, yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, as Bill very nicely explained it, uh, as a general standard of practice for pharmacists, we are required to provide counseling to the patient on any new medication or in case of any post change to his existing medication. Uh, in case of uh, family caregivers in particular, it's quite often that the family caregiver is the person coming to the pharmacy either to drop off a new prescription or to pick up the medication for the patient. In such case, the counseling about the medication would be given to the caregiver instead to the patient. This is usually done after confirming the nature of relationship between uh, the agent picking up the medication and the patient himself in order to respect patient's confidentiality. 
then uh, I have to make sure that the caregiver is fully aware of the medication regimen of the patient because here there's a challenge that it's not the patient himself who's picking up the medication. Then I provide information to the caregiver about the specific medical requirements of the patient, about his medication usage in general, any particular precautions, also monitoring the alarming symptoms, uh, as we call them, red flags, and so on. This kind of education is very important in case of family caregiving situations in order to avoid medication errors, such as giving the patient the wrong medication or the wrong dosage or giving it at the wrong time, for instance. Right. Now, we're going very quickly into, very shortly into the break, but I think I just read back to both of you things that we want to talk about next time around, which is, that is in the um, next segment, which is how pharmacists actually get around these communication problems, because that's what they sound to be, over things that are increasingly complicated. So it is time to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adler. My guests are Bill Brown and Ahmed El-Zoebi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Bill Brown and Ahmed El Zoebi. Our topic is pharmacists, family caregivers, and medication. So let's talk about the challenges for family caregivers when their family members depend on medication. So first of all, for you, Bill, what are the challenges for family caregivers that you hear most about in your work? You mean generally speaking? or Yes. Well, obviously, time constraints. You know, uh, the family caregiver usually is uh, an, an active adult. They, they may be a parent uh, to uh, children or to have a job, and they have all the other pressures of life, and suddenly they have this, um, or, or, you know, or on a constant basis, they have this other job of having to look after another person, which is often very, very time-consuming and very... Um, very stressful because that person usually is making demands on the caregiver, uh, not only of time but of motion, uh, emotional investment, and uh, and they're sometimes very difficult to deal with. So uh, it, it creates a great deal of pressure on the care the caregiver. You know, he um, the caregiver has to be organized. They have to be uh, pretty strong willed to take on this extra role in life, which is, which sometimes obviously is foisted on them uh, suddenly and without uh, preparation. Uh, Bill, still with you, uh, how do those challenges that you've just been talking about read back into the challenges of medication, making sure that the family the member gets the right dose at the right time and that sort of thing? Uh, sorry, Gordon, you're asking me that question? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. Um, well, you know, clearly, <clears throat> you know, when you're not dealing with any person directly, you're, you're using a medium, another person, then it's pretty, it just makes the communication process of, uh, that much more difficult. So much of pharmacy today is, is talking and communicating and ensuring that people do things the, the proper way, as I indicated before. So uh, that sometimes is a challenge when you're speaking to somebody directly. But when you're speaking to somebody indirectly, then you obviously have to, to make special measures. And I think that... Um, you know, the compliance. I think, well, the other thing, of course, is a lot of these patients are on several medications. Uh, sometimes I've seen 18 medications, for example. And so in these cases, uh, we try to help uh, the caregiver by using uh, compliance packaging or certain mechanical aids, if you wish, to, uh, to, to ensure that, uh, that the task of doing, uh, of administering the medication on time in, uh, in a regular you know, in a regular fashion is done properly. So so there are many things that I think uh, challenge the caregiver every day and anything the pharmacist can do to help them uh, do, do, you know, sort of uh, help that uh, their, 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 their um, individual they're trying to assist, and, and that's so much the better. And I think okay. that's just a matter of communication, mechanical aids, literature, being available to answer questions. I think, you know, that's another thing, being open to... Um, so that the caregiver feels free uh, to uh, to ask any questions for clarification or and so forth. Okay, let's go to Ahmed now. Challenges that family caregivers talk to you about when they're discussing you with you the medications of their family members. Ahmed? Yeah. Uh, in many uh, family caregiving situations, uh, the patient uh, is an elderly individual often using, uh, as Bill said, large number of medications. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that the family caregivers face is the proper administration of the medications at the right time intervals with the proper dosage and the proper directions for use. For example, whether a particular medication has to be taken on empty stomach or with food, what type of food should be avoided when taking this medication and for how long. 
like what would be the spacing between a particular food and a particular medication. Uh, another challenge faced by the caregiver is the patient's compliance as well. When a particular medication has an unpleasant side effect, such as nausea, heartburn, or dry mouth, or maybe dizziness, the patient could be reluctant to take it. Another common challenge is that uh, chronically ill people are often using, uh, you know, this large number of medications combined with the fact that they might have decreased memory and varying degrees of dementia maybe, which is a common problem in uh, elderly people. The result is different forms of errors, such as forgetting to take a pill, uh, taking it at the wrong time or wrong quantity. As pharmacists, as Bill said, we can help solve this problem by suggesting to the caregiver to use himself a pill organizer can put himself the medication in. If we feel that the caregiver will not be comfortable doing this task, we, we offer doing this ourselves, dispense uh, the patient's uh, medication in a blister pack. Uh, one particular challenge also is that in case uh, the husband or the wife is the family caregiver, he or she is also an elderly person having his own uh, medical problems as well and maybe being on as many medications as the patient himself. So those are the kinds of uh, challenges that face uh, the family caregivers in uh, pharmacy practice. Right. Now, back to Bill. You mentioned um, when you were talking about your experience working with methadone, which is uh, a treatment for an addiction. It's, uh, you know this better than I do. It's a medication that is also in itself addictive. Um, let's, let me ask you this. How do pharmacists help reduce medication problems arising out of addiction? Well, because this is a very big topic, um, you know, when, when we see addicts, uh, people who are addicted to medications, I mean, many of them, of course, are addicted to street drugs, and it's part of their for the social issues that have affected their lives, and that's typical. But a large segment of people who are addicted to uh, medications are, have... Uh, they didn't. They did. They did. It happened to them by accident, if you wish. They were involved in some sort of accident or some chronic condition, which caused them a lot of pain. And gradually, over time, the physician, uh, you know, gives prescribes, you know, strong opiates like oxycontin and so forth. And eventually, they unfortunately become addicted to these drugs, so that their that their initial condition is no longer the problem. It's now the the addiction to the uh, to the medication. And I think that happens over time. It's a, it's certainly a big problem here in Ontario, Canada, one that the government is seriously looking at to uh, regulate, you know, how medication is um, is uh, prescribed and under what conditions and so forth, because it's become a big problem. So I mean, in the sense that um, you know, these people very often the patient is an elderly patient, arthritic, uh, all sorts of things. Pain is usually a huge issue in their lives. And the, and the ameliorating of that pain is, is very important in terms of the quality of life that they're going to lead. So the, everything I just said, the predisposition for overusage becomes even worse. Mm. Um, now, in some cases, of course, where the, the condition is you know, perhaps terminal, then, of course, this is not an issue. The medication is being used to improve the quality of life, and not everything else is, is, everything else is secondary. But in many cases, uh, that's not the case. So I think the pharmacist is it's very important for them to see if they see uh you know the medication uh, levels of some of these very strong analgesics uh being overused then uh you know cautionary uh comments to the caregiver is important 
Uh, sometimes the patient has multiple doctors, and you know they they don't exactly know how much medication they're getting. So that's an active role that a pharmacist should take to ensure they can the uh, prevention of a situation which, when once it happens, is very very difficult to get out of. Right. Just a clarification: analgesic means painkillers. Yes. It? Okay. Well, most of the opiates we're talking about, not right. Tylenol and aspirin, we're talking about opiates. Right. Perfect for that. Now, Ahmed, uh, side effects. We hear a lot about side effects of medications. You've mentioned them. How do pharmacists help reduce the risks from side effects? That's actually a very good question. Uh, in fact, this particular area is one of the most important areas where the pharmacist's knowledge comes to help. I mentioned in my answer to the first question that one of the key roles of the pharmacist is to make recommendations to prescribers for adjustment to patients' drug therapies in case of any drug-related problem. I also mentioned earlier that the pharmacist is the expert on medication. Among his areas of expertise is the tricky part of unwanted effects of medications. I always remind my patients of the concept of benefit versus risk. Uh, the physician carefully weighs the pros versus the cons of any particular medication. And even if the medication causes some unpleasant side effects, the beneficial effects make it worth it to tolerate those side effects. Simple tips given to the patient can maybe minimize the side effects, such as taking a certain medication with food, if this medication can cause nausea, or on empty stomach in other cases. Maybe in some cases not lying down immediately after taking the medication because this happens, this can cause the heartburn or reflux. Some side effects can get worse if the medication is taken with a particular type of food, such as grapefruit, for example. In other cases, alcohol must be avoided. Uh, medications which can cause dizziness uh, are best taken at bedtime. Those are just examples uh, that I can think of where the pharmacist can intervene and give proper advice uh, to the patient to uh, minimize uh, side effects. Uh, and to manage, uh, to, to you know, to manage the medication usage. So, what sort of two-way communication do you favour and should occur when the pharmacist is dealing not with the individual patient but with the family caregiver, who then communicates all of this complicated stuff to the family member? How, how, how do you deal with that situation? Uh, actually, uh, can, can, you, can you just, uh, I didn't hear the question quite well, sorry if you can. Sorry about uh, that. Um, all of the things you've been talking about, you have to communicate through a family caregiver when the patient isn't there. Uh, yeah. what do, how do you approach that challenge? To communicate with the family caregiver yeah. about side effects, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I stress on uh, this concept of uh, benefit versus risk. I I tell the family caregiver that he has to explain to the patient that even if there are some uh, side effects, some discomfort, but the pros versus the cons make it worth it to tolerate those side effects. And sometimes I write it down, sometimes I provide written material how to minimize those side effects. I explain it fully to the family caregiver because uh, he's going to also be required to explain this to the patient because uh, in case of non-compliance, of course, the medication regimen will be uh, jeopardized. So uh, I stress a lot on the fact that if medication uh, is necessary, even if there are some uh, unwanted effects, the, uh, uh, the patient shouldn't stop it on, on his own. If it's really becoming a major issue, in that case, 
the patient has to contact uh, the pharmacist or he has to contact the physician or the prescriber to uh, maybe change the medication. Okay. But it's not uh, wise to uh, stop the medication, that the patient stops the medication on his own without letting anybody know. And, Fair enough. I yeah. have to stop you there because it's the time for the break. It always happens. Uh, but we will come back to that matter if we need to in the next episode. So it is time for the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Bill Brown and Ahmed El Zoebi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America channel. Stay tuned because we will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Each week, take a visit inside the locker room of your favorite sport with Dez Clark. Paul Fresh Clark and Lester Scudder Davis as they bring you sportsmanlike conduct. As a current player, Des Clark can bring you inside the sports world like nobody can. His co-hosts represent the fans of the sports world. With both points of view on the table, it becomes an engaging and entertaining program to say the least. Sportsmanlike conduct can be heard Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to Family Caregivers Unite. And Bill Brown and Ahmed El Zoebi. Our topic is pharmacists, family caregivers, and medications. Now, let's talk about the particular challenges of privacy of patients' personal health information, the kind of information that uh, is provided to pharmacists. So starting with you, Bill, please tell us what you see as the 
state of privacy of patients' personal health information in pharmacies generally. Bill? Oh, right now, of course, most of the information that the pharmacist is privy to in a, in a well, let's say a retail uh, setting, hospital settings would be different. I think that they would have more information. But in a retail setting, most uh, pharmacists would obviously have a, uh, a uh, access to all of the medication that patient is currently on. Uh, that's pretty critical because every time they get a new prescription, it's important to um, to test that against all the other medications that they're taking. So uh, one of the most critical roles a pharmacist plays, I guess, even, you know, long before he says anything to the patient, is to ensure that there's no problem with this particular medication in terms of any kind of interaction with previous medications or ongoing medications that that patient is taking. Uh, that information is, generally speaking, only, uh, only available to the pharmacist. Uh, there are technicians, of course, who work in the pharmacy, but uh, their work, uh, although they could have access to that information if they really wanted to, uh, in the sense that there aren't uh, there aren't any password barriers to uh, to uh, to getting it, um, it, it is not generally something that they would be going to look for because it's not part of their uh, work their job description. So right now, I think it's okay. Uh, however, uh, you know, here in Canada, and I know in the United States as well, there's a movement to move to electronic health records where all healthcare providers will have access to all of the <clears throat> all of the patient's history. If uh, if that happens, then obviously pharmacists would have more information than they would have today. Things like lab test results and um, you know, previous surgical histories or whatever. That might affect. In that case, of course, it'll become more important to uh, to make sure that that information is only available to uh, to the pharmacist when he needs it, and for a good reason, by the way. So, uh, and I know that steps uh, are uh, being taken long before this information becomes readily available to ensure that it is user and password protected. <clears throat> And that there will be an auditing system to see that that happens. So from that, you know, electronic perspective, I think it's probably okay now, and with with, with good safeguards, it'll be okay in the future. But we'll have to watch it because people can get sloppy with this kind of thing, and of course, uh, we see it every day. You know, where people's information goes to uh, parties that uh, have no business having it. Right. Um, I'm going to interrupt you now and just ask Ahmed this question. How well understood by patients and family caregivers are pharmacists' responsibilities for protecting the privacy of all this personal health information? Yeah, yeah. The, the protection of the privacy of patients' personal health information is actually one of the ethical responsibilities of all healthcare professionals, as Bill uh, explained. Pharmacists are entrusted with patients' medication information, and we're not allowed to release such information without uh, the patient's consent. In some cases, the pharmacist must use his professional judgment to release uh, this information even without the patient's consent. For instance, when a patient is hospitalized and cannot talk to the pharmacist and give him his consent, and the hospital staff uh, needs to know his medication profile. Most patients, I would say, understand and appreciate that principle of uh, protection of patients' medication information. However, sometimes uh, it's a bit challenging. I remember once a family caregiver was coming to pick up uh, the medication of one of my regular patients and actually haven't seen this, uh, the caregiver before. Uh, so uh, he asked me, what is this medication prescribed for? 
Um, it was actually a new prescription for this uh, patient. It was an, uh, an old lady. Uh, it was, in fact, a medication for anxiety and for panic attacks. So, therefore, uh, before responding to his question, I just asked him how he was related to the patient. And I felt that this made him really angry. Then I had to quite explain that the reason why I'm asking is to respect patients of Italian and so on. Then he finally accepted it and appreciated it. But sometimes uh, some patients do not really understand that concept and that responsibility that uh, pharmacists have to abide by. I'm going to Bill now. I'd like to hear more from you about the question of people's confidential medical or medications information within pharmacies, given that a pharmacy these days can be part of a very big chain of pharmacies, um, part of a very large business. So it raises the question of who in the pharmacy as a business is able, if anyone, to see information, personal confidential information about individual patients. Bill? Well, you know, in uh, <clears throat> a large pharmacy format, whether it's the United States or Canada, I've seen both of them, they can have as many as 20 computer screens. So, uh, in other words, there are many points of access to the information. Uh, everybody in the pharmacy uh, would have access to that information, as I said before. I mean, the, generally, the pharmacist goes to look for it. In other words, the patient's name is comes up and... If you want to see the information specifically about what medications they're on, you have to go to a profile. Now, the only person that goes to that profile is the pharmacist because he's looking for, you know, he's looking for um, a specific medication or he's looking for a history or something like that. Uh, however, pharmacy technicians um, and pharmacy assistants can go to get that information as well. Very often, the patients call and they say, "I." Uh, I need a repeat of this prescription. They don't know the name. They don't know the number. They don't know anything. Oh, you know, the one that's for my heart, blah, blah, blah. And so often you have to go into the patient's profile to identify and glean what it is that they really need. So uh, there's quite a bit of access, you know, in the in the pharmacy from the pharmacist and all the technicians that are there. Um, it's um, It's not... It's not uh, It's not in the safe, you know. It's, it's as accessible as the screen. Right. You say 20 screens. Um, Could you speak up, Gordon, please? Yeah. Um, I know the sound quality is bad for me. Sorry, I can't uh, Okay. I'm just asking you to talk about pharmacy chains. That is, the pharmacies being connected together, all as a, all part of one big company. Oh, oh okay. Company. No, Please. that doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, all of the information is in the computer um, in that particular pharmacy and is not ever transferred from one pharmacy to another. Very often, patients actually make that mistake. They, they think if they go to ABC Pharmacy, Inc., and they go to a different branch or a different location, that their information is there, you know, and that is not the case. It is, it is contained within the particular building, if you wish, that, uh, and it's never, there's, no, um, there's no access to it. Fair enough. Now, Ahmed, question for you. How much do patients and family caregivers know, and if I may say so, how much us so, how much do they care about where their information flows to within the pharmacy and maybe even to places outside the pharmacy? Uh, how, how, how much more should they know and why should they know about it? 
Yeah. Uh, I believe patients need to know more about that uh, issue. Many patients and many family caregivers actually know little about how their medication information is managed within uh, the pharmacy or between pharmacies. I once had an angry patient uh, coming to the pharmacy asking me whether we release his, his medication list information to advertising agencies. He was really angry. The reason was that he received in the mail some advertisement brochures for common medical conditions that he happened to have, and he thought that this advertising agency knew about his medical condition through us. So what the public should know is that the, the law obliges pharmacists to keep all information regarding their medication strictly confidential and not to share it even with other family members unless there's a clear verbal or written consent from the patient or unless there's another legal obligation uh, to give or release that uh, medication information, such as a court order, for instance. So uh, I believe patients uh, should be aware of this and this will make them uh, maybe uh, more comfortable when dealing with uh, the pharmacies and they will be uh, you know they'll be sure that uh, no uh, breach of their confidentiality uh, will happen of course i'm i'm seeing here about what should ideally happen i know that maybe uh, errors could happen but as a general standard of practice this is uh, what should be uh, going on Ahmed, where then did the uh, pharmacy company, if that's what it was, get the information about this patient of yours and the particular condition or medication that he was on? Where do you think that information came from? Uh, sorry, Gordon, can you repeat that question again? Sorry. Yes. Uh, you talk, uh, talked about a patient who came to you because he was angry because he thought that a pharmaceutical company had found out what his health condition was. Um, didn't come from the pharmacy. Where did that information flow from, do you think? Yeah, actually, that's a very uh, good question because in that particular situation, we were wondering uh, what would have uh, happened. Uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, it's maybe, uh, you know, those, those little uh, medication slips that people can maybe throw in the garbage or maybe uh, just throw throw away, you know, uh, carelessly maybe in a, in a place uh, that pe other, other people can have access to it. Uh, that's why in all, in all pharmacies, all uh, those documents have to be shredded. So uh, I know that sometimes maybe this could not happen, but most likely uh, this kind of information uh, will not be uh, obtained from uh, pharmacies. Uh, maybe uh, uh, some vials left behind, some things like that can, you know, can give some inf such information. Okay, now we're going into the break. Uh, maybe we'll have a chance to talk a bit more about that uh, in the next episode. Yeah, I have a thought on that, Gordon. No, hang on a minute. We've got to go into the break, Bill. I'll get back to you later. It is time for the break, unfortunately. This is Dr. Gordon Avery, and my guests are Bill Brown and Ahmed Al-Zoebi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, please stay tuned. We will be back.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at my. M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Bill Brown and Ahmed El-Zoebi. Our topic is pharmacists, family caregivers, and medication. Let's now talk about what you, the guests, would like to see done so pharmacists bring more help and more safeguards for family caregivers and their family members. So, Bill, starting with you, how well recognized by physicians, that is, people like I used to be, it, how well recognized do they see the professional role of pharmacists? And if it's not the professional role isn't well enough recognized, what needs to be done to increase it on the part of physicians? Bill? Okay. Well, in uh, in a nutshell, I would answer that question with two words, and I'd say not well, not well, not well recognized. Three words, I guess. Uh, I think that uh, you know there are different settings. I mean, in the hospitals, I think you know pharmacists play a pretty active role. They're moving around uh, the, the, the the hospital on rounds with physicians. There's a lot of interplay, a lot of dialogue. 
So I think that's one, you know, that, that's a, that's one case where, you know, the interaction is very good. I think though at the retail level it is, uh, it is minimal. I, I, part of this I, I must, I must say is my personal opinion. Uh, but it is my observation too, and Ahmed, you know, he could comment differently for me if he wished. But I think, you know, my observation is that physicians, uh, well, I think it's the nature of their profession. They are, you know, the nature of their profession is that they should know everything, that this is their patient, and that, uh, that they've entrusted, the patient has entrusted themselves to the, to the physician, and, and it's his responsibility to ensure that, uh, whatever he diagnoses or whatever he prescribes or whatever he does, is 100% in his command, and I think that this is a very difficult, um, a very difficult um, paradigm to get away from. As a matter of fact, a recent study done here in Canada, even within the family health teams, uh, which are a uh, type of delivery system here in Ontario, where <clears throat> there's sort of a global funding into to a group of practitioners, including physicians and nurses and pharmacists and social workers. So they um, so they get a global funding, and they're supposed to be very patient focused. It was clear that in that sort of setting, the physician was the boss, and everybody else, you know, deferred to the physician. So, so it's a very difficult paradigm to break. Uh, and I think that uh, you know, even now, when pharmacists call physicians occasionally with uh, errors, uh, the the call is not terribly well received. <clears throat> It's uh, you know it, it, it's a very difficult one, and I think we have a long way to go before okay. there's uh, mutual respect at a level that will be in the interest of patients at uh, at the best level. Ahmed, it's the same question, but it's for healthcare professionals generally, and not just um, physicians. How well recognized do the other healthcare professionals? Uh, how good is their recognition of the role of pharmacists, and what? needs to be done if it isn't good enough. Yeah, I agree with Bill that uh, physicians and also a number of other healthcare professionals uh, don't understand maybe quite well uh, the professional role of the pharmacist. Uh, some of them do and appreciate the role of the pharmacist as an important member of the healthcare team. Uh, as Bill said, pharmacists practice in different environments. Most of, of pharmacists work in the community. Others work in hospitals. That's about 15% maybe in Canada at least. Uh, also, pharmacists practice in long-term personal care homes, for example. Sometimes they specialize in areas such as geriatric pharmacy. Uh, recently, a large number of provinces have approved the form of pharmacist prescribing authority. This doesn't mean, of course, that the pharmacist will provide a diagnosis and prescribe treatment independently of uh, the doctor. Uh, what the pharmacist is allowed to do, in fact, is to start just or continue, maybe discontinue medication in collaboration with uh, the physician. Uh, so many uh, healthcare professionals appreciate that role. Uh, however, uh, sometimes it's not the case. Uh, I remember getting uh, a phone call, uh, like on the positive side, I, uh, some, I, I, I sometimes get phone calls from prescribers asking me for advice uh, on the right dosage of a particular medication, for example, a particular antibiotic for, uh, for a child. On the other hand, uh, some prescribers do not really recognize that role. I once called a physician about a very valid drug-drug interaction uh, which really warranted uh, a change of uh, medication. However, the physician abruptly uh, said, I know what I wrote for the patient, just fill it as it is. So, no, so you know, I think that uh, some education here is needed uh, about the role that the pharmacist is playing 
and uh, how this role is for the better health outcome for the patients. Okay. We're coming close to the end, unfortunately. So, Bill, uh, this is a very quick question for you. How well recognized by government is the full role of pharmacists? Bill? Uh, this is a very big question. Hard to answer in 30 seconds, but I would say... Once again, very difficult, uh, very difficult area. I mean, uh, the, the, the difficulty here is that drugs are the second most, uh, the largest, uh, second largest expenditure that the governments have today, no matter where in the world. So they see that growing uh, at an exponential rate of eight to ten percent per year. Even it's, a, it's the fastest growing expense that government has, and so they look at that and they see that it's largely drugs and the price of drugs and uh, the, how they're sourced and generics and that whole mishmash of, of drug delivery systems. And I think that they're looking for ways of depressing that cost or trying to control it in some fashion. And I think that often, as a result of that uh, focus, the, um, the, uh, the pharmacist becomes a bit of a bystander, and uh, his role is not understood on how, the, how, the, how they, the pharmacist could actually assist the government in its role Many, many reasons for that, too, and that's because many pharmacists are also pharmacist owners and their own businesses, and they're in the business of selling drugs. And so, so often their, their own personal business interests run in conflict with, uh, with government. And uh, here in Ontario, we have seen uh, quite a bit of conflict between the profession uh, and, uh, or the business of pharmacy, at least, and the government with, uh, with some pretty uh, drastic results being taken. That have really changed the face of pharmacy. Because we're going to run out of time, and I've just got one quick question, same one for Ahmed, but this is how well patients and family caregivers themselves recognize the full professional role of pharmacists. Ahmed? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, we have to remember that the community pharmacist is the healthcare professional seen uh, the most often by the public. Uh, that's because the pharmacist is by far the most accessible to the patients among other members of the healthcare team. Uh, let me remind you very quickly that in, in many public surveys in Canada, Canadians have rated pharmacists as the most trusted healthcare professional. However, the knowledge and the skills of the pharmacists are often very underutilized. Uh, many patients seek uh, pharmacists for help for information regarding their prescription or over-the-counter medications. However, uh, some patients really do not fully appreciate uh, the role of the pharmacist. They just think that we're just counting the pills and just putting them in vials and selling them. So even when, we, when you start talking to them about uh, their medication, they would uh, just say, yeah, yeah, I know about it. The doctor, my doctor told me about it. So... Uh, uh, but in general, I think that uh, the image for patients and their understanding of the role of the pharmacist, uh, I would say, is a bit better than on the side of the healthcare professionals. Very interesting. Unfortunately, as I say, we, we have to close very, very shortly. But I want to say back to both of you, first of all, thank you. But also, I do think there's a communication issue for you that you've identified and by the way, I hope that this, um, this uh, program will have helped you a little bit. Um, but my sense is that better understanding on the part of patients and family caregivers of, of the full role will actually help with the other professionals. But exactly how you do that, I think, is a challenge that's going to, for the reason that Bill said, is going to get more and more difficult because of the concerns about costs of medication and also of because of concerns about addiction and things of that nature. So, 
Time to go, unfortunately. Thank you to our listeners. Please send us by email comments and questions. Thank you to Bill and to Ahmed for giving us a very good picture of uh, the role, the professional role of pharmacists. And in our next episode, please come back to our listeners. We're going to talk about networks for family caregivers. So please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.